Thanks to Barb and Lydia for our children's sermon this morning. So as we prepare for our uh, time with Scripture today, we'll be reading a slightly unconventional passage for the Sunday after Christmas. We'll be reading uh, from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 37. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37. A very, very familiar passage. But before we turn to God's word, let's first go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of the year. We thank you for this chance to gather together in worship right now. And as we take this moment in the midst of this season, we ask that your spirit would be with us. That your spirit would be with us in this sanctuary or wherever we may happen to be watching this morning. We ask that you would inspire us as we turn to your word that the same spirit that inspired uh, the writing of these words would inspire our hearing today, that we might come to know who you are and who you were calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Listen to the word of God. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the same road, saw the man, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, He took pity on him and went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we reflect on these familiar words in this wonderful season, we ask that you would help us to hear them anew that you would help us to understand what your birth means and how we are called to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm, I'm like giddy right now. I can hardly tell you how excited I am for this very moment. I love this Sunday. I know that when, when you finish seminary and you get ordained and you pass your tests and you, you get your robe and your stoles, officially, your favorite Sunday is Easter Sunday. 
Officially, my favorite Sunday is Easter Sunday, but really, it's today. I love this Sunday. This is the best Sunday of the year because we did it. All of the Christmas stuff, we did it. All of the anticipation, all of the preparation, all of the expectation, we did it. All of the, all of the observation and the celebration and the decoration, we did it. We are on the other side of Christmas. We, we, have, we have completed all the tasks. The cookies are baked and eaten. The cards are written and sent. The presents are wrapped and opened. And now, now we just sit back and enjoy. We're going to need to clean it all up, but not yet. Not yet. Today is not the day to clean up. Today is the day to enjoy. We're going to need to get ready for New Year's Eve, but not yet. New Year's is not here yet. This is the Sunday after Christmas. This is its own holiday. This is a day for us to breathe and to rest and to enjoy the holiday because the work is done. This is a day for rest and enjoyment which is why I like to do something just a little different on the Sunday after Christmas. Every year, I, I like to, to engage in one final Christmas tradition. It's one we've, we've talked about in the past. I, I like to engage in what I call the Christmas trial. You see, every year, as, as Christians in churches, we, we put the creatures of Christmas on trial. We accuse Frosty and Scrooge and Rudolph of trying to invade our celebration, of somehow making a, a holy season less sacred. But that's just not true. I mean, the characters that grow on us year after year grow on us because they're rooted in Scripture. And they're, not, they're not enemies of Christmas. They're parables of Christmas. They're, they're Christmas missionaries. So every year I like to take part in the Christmas trial. I like to defend one of the Christmas creatures. We got an early start this year. Christmas Eve, I defended Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's not our usual tradition. We usually wait until today, but it's been a hard year. It felt like we needed a little extra rest and enjoyment this year. So we got a jump start. We talked about Rudolph. And if you weren't here on Christmas Eve, you can watch the video. We talked about how many scripture passages uh, Rudolph echoes. So Rudolph is, uh, is essentially a, a retelling of so many different parables, including the, the parable of the mustard seed or the suffering servant or the, the great feast or the workers in the vineyard, the, the, the weak shaming the strong. But as we concluded our service, I pointed out that there is one more, uh, one more parable in the story of Rudolph that I think is... I think it's even more explicitly reenacted. There's one parable that is embedded in the center of the Rudolph story that we almost always miss. It's not in the middle of the song. It's in the middle of the animated special. And so I would like to speak in defense this year of one more part of the Rudolph story. I would like to speak in defense of, of a lovable uh, but often forgotten sidekick from the story of Rudolph. I'd like to speak in defense of a true misfit among misfits, an outcast among outcasts. I'd like to defend the greatest prospector in the North. I'm talking, of course, about Yukon Cornelius. Some of you giggle because you know who I mean. The rest of you are scratching your heads. If you've not seen the animated special, watch it after worship this morning and it will all make sense to you. Yukon Cornelius is a fascinating character. And Yukon Cornelius, Yukon Cornelius is doing his best to send us back into the Bible by reenacting a great story from Scripture. And I can prove it. 
So to, to do so, we have to look at the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and we have to look very closely at the parts of that story that have to do with Yukon Cornelius. So we'll begin right in the center of the movie. It turns out Yukon Cornelius is central to the Rudolph story, not in a metaphorical sense, but in a literal sense. He is the center of the film, if you want to call it a film. It's 52 minutes long. And uh, his, his introduction begins around minute 24 and goes through about minute 34. He is the centerpiece of the Rudolph story. So as we begin, we'll, we'll back up a minute or so, and we find Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, who's made a friend and a misfit elf named Hermie, who wants to be a dentist instead of a toy maker. Yes, I said that right, a dentist instead of a toy maker. Rudolph with his glowing nose and Hermie with his strange career aspirations both feel like outcasts from the rest of their friends at the North Pole. And so they sing a little song about being a couple of misfits. And they sing about how hard it is to look different or to have different career goals than all of their friends. And as we listen to this song, it's kind of touching, but it, it also has a little bit of irony. Because what we're watching is we are watching a magical elf singing about being a misfit because he lives in a town of magical elves. We're listening to a talking reindeer singing about being a misfit, although he lives with a tribe of talking reindeer. As much as they feel like misfits, at least from our viewpoint, they are exactly where they belong. They are with their people, or elves or reindeer as the case may be. But they are at home in the North Pole. The North Pole in this movie is populated completely with magical creatures and talking animals. They really do belong. They may feel like misfits, but this is home for them. Up until this point, we haven't actually encountered a misfit in the movie. Not yet. But as uh, Rudolph and Hermie finish their song, they, they begin traveling along a dangerous road. We know it's dangerous because the narrator explains that to us. The narrator tells us that the, the road Rudolph and Hermie are traveling is actually quite perilous. And travelers are often attacked by the abominable snowman who lives nearby. And so Rudolph and Hermie have gotten in over their heads as they travel this road in great danger. And they start to realize that they're in some peril as they walk along the road. And they hear a noise and it scares them. And so Rudolph and Hermie then dive into the snowbank right next to the road. And the image is fabulous. Uh, they, they dive into the snowbank and they find themselves buried halfway in this bank of snow with nothing but their legs sticking out. And so Rudolph and Hermie are now half buried on the side of the road. When we hear the noise and we see who's caused it, it's, it's a very strange figure for North Pole standards. It's someone riding a sled pulled by a dog team. And right away, we notice that there's something odd about this character because the dogs aren't singing or dancing or talking. They seem to be normal dogs. And as uh, these normal dogs pull this normal sled, the, the figure behind them is clearly an outsider. He's not from the North Pole. He's wearing a, a thick, heavy winter jacket and a sock hat and earmuffs. He has a revolver tucked into his belt and a pickaxe in his hand. He is not from around here. He is truly an outsider. And as this outsider uh, comes along the road and he finds Rudolph and Hermie half buried, he stops his dog team and hops off the sled. And he walks over to our main characters, these travelers, and he, he reaches into the snowbank and pulls them out. And his opening line, it's, it's just tremendous. He says, you'll get frostbit that away. 
he explains to our travelers that he's concerned for their health. And so he pulls them out of the snowbank, stands them up, and introduces himself. And he tells them that he is Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the north. That's a mouthful right there. Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the north. Now, Yukon, of course, is a reference to the, 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 further, the furthest northwestern corner of Canadian territory. He's not from the North Pole. He appears to be a Canadian. He is from the, the northern edge of Canada. And he explains that he is the greatest prospector in the north. Yukon is his first, his first moniker, the first part of his name. But then he tells us his given name. He is Yukon Cornelius. And something seems vaguely familiar about that name to us, but we don't usually pay attention to it. Although I think it's worth taking a second this morning to pay attention to the name Cornelius. If you step back, you may remember Cornelius is a Bible name. This is a character we meet in Acts chapter 10. He's a Roman soldier. And he appears to be the first Gentile to convert directly to Christianity. The first Gentile to be baptized. The story of Cornelius is the story of a a righteous outsider. A virtuous other. A godly neighbor. A faithful foreigner. Yukon Cornelius. The man from the north who is a faithful foreigner. And as he introduces himself to our travelers, he then does something uh, wonderful that we, we overlook. If you're, if you're not paying close attention, it'll, it'll pass by you in the blink of an eye. Yukon then picks up Rudolph and Hermie and he puts them on his sled. And instead of getting on the sled with them, he walks to the front and he pulls the sled himself. And they continue traveling on this dangerous road and uh, they, they flee from the abominable snowman and he takes them to the island of misfit toys. And as they're traveling, he explains that as a prospector, he is searching for silver and gold. And we get a little musical interlude about silver and gold. And as the song ends, Yukon then explains to his newfound friends, he's changed his mind. He's not so much interested in the gold. He's really after the silver it makes great tinsel, after all. So Yukon Cornelius is searching for silver, and then they get to the island of misfit toys. And when they get to the island of misfit toys, we're greeted by another song about being a misfit, and being an outcast, and being the other, and being unaccepted. And then the toys take our travelers and Yukon to meet the king of the misfit toys, King Moonracer, who is a winged lion. And again, something seems strangely familiar about the winged lion, but we don't think much about it. If you look closely around our sanctuary and our chapel, you may see a winged lion from time to time. It is the symbol of one of the Gospels. But King Moonracer invites the travelers in. He gives them lodging for the night. And Yukon Cornelius, who at this point is no longer searching for silver, it is at great cost to himself. He is now uh, spending time with Rudolph and with uh, with, um the elf, whatever his name is, <laughs> Hermie. Yukon is spending time with Rudolph and with Hermie. And as he drifts off to sleep, he promises them that whatever happens in the morning, he's not going to abandon them. He's going to make sure that they are taken care of. And then in the morning, uh, we, we change scenes and the story takes a turn. And we are now introduced to Yukon Cornelius. He has now found his way into our hearts. And this is the end of his introduction. But did you notice that story? 
Did you see how familiar that is? Yukon Cornelius is not a character invented for a Christmas special. This is not a story told to occupy time on television. This is a story told by Jesus. Yukon Cornelius is reenacting the gospel story we read earlier this morning. Look back at these two stories. The story of the Good Samaritan. This is a story about a couple of locals, a local man who is traveling on a dangerous road when uh, the two groups that should care for him, the two groups of his countrymen, pass him by, almost like the other elves and reindeer. The two groups pass him by and refuse to give him any assistance. But then this foreigner, this outsider from another land, from Samaria, from the north, comes by on the dangerous road and finds our traveler half dead on the side of the road, picks up the traveler and puts him on the outsider's own ride and carries him to an inn where he can receive lodging for the night. And he, he pays two denarii, coins made of silver, to make sure that this traveler receives lodging and care. And he pledges that whatever happens in the recovery process, he will make sure that the innkeeper receives back all that he needs. He assures the innkeeper that their fates are now forever intertwined. This is not a Rudolph story. This is a gospel story. The story of Yukon Cornelius is a reenactment of the Good Samaritan. And it's right there in the middle of a stop-motion animated feature about a singing reindeer. The story of Rudolph has taken root in our Christmas celebrations because it's rooted in the gospel. Yukon Cornelius grows on us every year because it is rooted in Scripture. Yukon Cornelius shows us what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a good neighbor. Yukon Cornelius shows us what it means as we celebrate Christmas to care for the people around us, to care for all those outcasts that God places in our path, even if we feel like outcasts ourselves. Every year, we have been watching a reenactment of the Good Samaritan. And we didn't even notice it. In fact, Yukon Cornelius has done such a wonderful job, he has worked his way into television specials and greeting cards and homes and schools and institutions all over our country proclaiming the story of the Good Samaritan and waiting for us to explain it. Yukon Cornelius is not an enemy of Christmas. He is a Christmas missionary. He is a Christmas parable. He is waiting for us to claim the story that he is reenacting. And so I rest my case. Yukon Cornelius is a parable of Christmas. Yukon Cornelius is reenacting the story of the Good Samaritan, challenging us to love all those that Christ puts in our path. As we celebrate Christmas this year, I encourage you to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I encourage you to pay attention to all of those little celebrations that have grown on you year after year and find which part of the gospel they are rooted in. I encourage you to love all those that God places in your path. This 
is the greatest Sunday of the year. We have made it. We can sit back. We can enjoy Christmas. We can relax. And we can learn to love our neighbors. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.